Hello, my lovelies. Welcome back to another episode of Did You Read the Book, a comparative podcast where movie buffs and bookworms come together to talk about stories and their adaptations that we love, hate, or love to hate. I am your host, Aaron Palmer, and I am once again joined by the lovely Spencer. Hello, Spencer. Welcome back again. Hello, it's me, Spencer. Spencer. It's your official title for <laughs> those is... who don't know. Yeah, if, if you don't know me, then what's your problem? Yeah. Then well, that what have sucks you been listening to? Be to? Yeah. If you don't know Spencer in the person, I'm sorry because Spencer is a gem. <laughs> so I'm sad yeah. you don't have a Spencer in your life. A diamond you know. in the rough. Yes. Yes. I love it. All right, Mr. <laughs> Spencer. Well, what are we focusing on today? Well, you know, actually, I oh. wanted to invite a little friend up. To kind of introduce what we're working with. With you, I did, I did, I did. Um, did I, did I like okay this guest prior? I don't. I feel like this. Didn't this come is up. this is a secret surprise guest <gasps> that I didn't want to reveal until we were actually on the podcast. Oh my god! I know. I know. He's a little I shy. No, I'm kidding. He's a performer, so oh. there's no way that he won't want to talk through this entire thing. <laughs> Uh, he is a mean green amphibian machine. I would like to welcome Kermit the Frog. Oh my God, it's Kermit! <laughs> Hello, it's me, Kermit the Frog, here oh to introduce the God. podcast for you. How are you, Aaron? Oh my God, Kermit! I've never met you in person. Welcome to the show. Oh well, it's great to be here. You know, oh. it's. I'm just fresh from uh, Sesame Street. I just came down the road. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You traveled quite a ways from New York, didn't you? Well, you know, it's just part of the job. You know, when Erin's flying you out on her dime, you can't oh. say no. What? Wait, 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 wait. Wait, 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 Erin. You paid for this guy? This frog? Hey, wait a minute. Hold on there. <laughs> you paid for this frog to uh, come all the way out from New York. And what am I making from this? Uh... Uh, uh, hey, Kermit, what are we talking about today? Oh, good question. <laughs> hey, what the? F <laughs> don't, don't worry about it, Spencer. Don't worry it's about fine. it. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Kermit, take it away. It's just show business. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, today we're discussing this source material for the podcast, which is a little movie that I was in. <gasps> no way. Kermit, what? You were in a movie? You're famous? Are you serious? <laughs> well, I mean, you're a frog, right? Yeah, but I'm like a famous frog. <laughs> All right. Well, what movie were you in? I was in a little movie called Muppet Treasure Island. Hey. Oh, I've that heard of that. little thing. You've heard of it, huh? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so tell us about Muppet Treasure Island and the source material that it is. Oh, I would love to. Yay! <laughs> Aaron, please, a little bit of composure here. I'm so here. sorry. I'm just so caught I know, up in the I know how starstruck you are, but I'm this... I'm so starstruck. <laughs> I don't know why, but I apparently mean, this guy I'm means something to somebody. I'm right. living the dream right now. <laughs> hey, shut up there, Spencer. Let me talk. All right. Okay, oh, okay. Spice? Wow, Kermit. <laughs> Calm down, just say your piece, and we'll move on with this, okay? Yeah, that's right. 
All right, well, Muppet Treasure Island is a 1996 American musical swashbuckler comedy directed by Brian Henson. <laughs> that name sounds familiar. Yeah, he's the son of Jim Henson, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, oh. you idiot. Hey, don't get on his side just because he's a charismatic amphibian. But okay, it's it is. You're right. All <laughs> right, can't Kermit. can't be on his side. Yeah, that's right, bitch. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Kermit, Kermit, this is not the language Kermit, we use. Kermit, please, please. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I just got a little heated. You know, when Piggy's not around, I just don't, I just lose myself. I get that. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> All right. Do you want to continue? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> from oh, the top. God. <laughs> God damn it, Kermit, from the top? <laughs> All right. We already did that. I know, I know. Listen, he's... He's a professional. I got it. it <clears throat> All right, go ahead, Kermit, and action. Thank you. Muppet <laughs> Treasure Island is a 1996 American musical swashbuckler comedy film directed by Brian Hansen. It is the fifth theatrical film in the Muppets franchise. Is that it? Yeah! <laughs> right, yeah! I guess that's it. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> All right, well, uh, that that was great, Kermit. Thanks for the uh, little intro there. Do you want to, like, sit aside for now? Yeah, okay, I guess so. I'll just be over here. Just hang out. Have have a beer hey, on me. Hey, Aaron. <laughs> yeah? I love the podcast. Oh, my God, Kermit, you listen to the podcast. I can't. You're Every too night. <laughs> wow. You there aren't that many episodes. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it helps me sleep at night, okay? All right, I'm off to my lily pad. Yeah! Oh, okay, bye, Kermit. <laughs> bye. Wow. Um, I don't know whether I should be offended that he said that I put him to sleep, but it's Kermit. I mean, so I take that as a compliment. I would take that as a compliment. We're I mean, it. We're I listen it. to stuff while I fall asleep all the time. I do too. Yeah, I do there too. You Let's go. be real here. Thanks, Kermit. All right. Oh, thanks, Kermit. You're a gem. So we're talking about the uh, Muppet Treasure Island. Yeah. This is the uh, source material for what are we uh, what are we talking about today? Mm. Yeah, so it is the source material Treasure Island, and then it was based uh, well, and then they had like another kind of adaptation that was written by some guy Robert Louis Stevenson something or other, and then doesn't sound familiar. Yeah, so then he, I don't know, was it a book? Was it a show? I don't It I don't sounds know. like, I think it was a show. It was a show, okay. So they yeah, kind of like yeah, yeah. very loosely based it off of the Muppets, Treasure Island, and... Which is weird to have like, you know, to base something off of... Honestly, I think, I think we can honestly call it here. Uh, the uh, the original is the best, right? Yes. Um, Muppet Treasure Island is by far like hands down one of my favorite films of all time it is the best version out of anything you're going to see and the reason i love it so much is yeah. because tim curry is in it oh my god <laughs> he's the best part of the movie like what it's amazing yeah hey. <laughs> i mean kermit i'm so sorry kermit, uh, i thought you had left language <laughs> jesus i'm so sorry oh about that guy gosh kermit he is a firecracker spicy? I didn't realize that he knew those kinds of like words. I that's, didn't either. That's surprising coming from Kermit. Oh, man alive. All right, Kermit, let's take it down a notch. All right, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, my gosh. Well, what what do you love so much about Treasure Island, or Muppet Treasure Island, I guess? 
Oh god, the the amount of detail that they put into not only the sets but actually mm-hmm. dressing them up as as god, like pirates and stuff like that. The costuming, like it, yeah. Oh my god, like the the fact that they had to, you know, just like it just it speaks volumes about like Jim Henson and mm-hmm. his his company after, you know, just yeah. all these years and like how how professional they are and like how well they can not only take their IP but like turn it into something completely original like this too. Yeah. It's it's so crazy. I know. It is pretty amazing and they've got some pretty stellar like just casting choices for a lot of Muppet productions. Yeah. And so like of course like the the dreamy Tim Curry is in it and it's just like there's some great one-liners and some really funny stuff and I've always loved the Muppets have like adult content like kind of peppered in there and if you're a kid it just goes straight over your head but then you watch it years later and you're like oh my god it's so clever (laughs) but it's also one of those things where like yes it is adult content you're right Mm -hmm. but at the same time they can appeal to kids to the point where like even with that like second layer of the joke the kids are still laughing at the same time too because i remember seeing this as a kid and i was like what's hysterical oh my god it was so funny (laughs) and then like rewatching as an adult is like a completely different experience because of all of the stuff that just like went over your head when you were so young it's yep. so great. And it's I feel like Disney films also have gotten a lot better about that, like where the viewership has definitely like they've expanded on like, well, if the parents are going to be watching these movies right. with their kids, they should get something out of it, too. And that's like Muppets was doing that pretty early on, which was just stellar. And I, yeah. oh, it's they so kind of, classic. It's like I their signature it. is on like so many different movies afterwards too like you can see how much inform like inspiration uh so many other movies took from like like the muppet sense of humor and just like slapstick just like uh oddball comedy and stuff like that yeah. and like being able to turn like that franchise into like this original like pirate movie is just so bombastic and just impressive it's so good so it's good so good oh my god Oh my gosh. And just, I, you know, to kind of like follow into the kind of like, we're talking about the humor and the ingenuity of it all and just like kind of following that vein. Um, for those who don't know, today is April 1st. Uh, uh, wait, what? Wait, what? Huh? Oh my whoa, God, whoa, you've whoa, been whoa, bamboozled. Whoa, 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 huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my lovelies, we would not do you dirty like that. Uh, Gotcha. We gotcha. If you've gotten this far, thank you. Oh God, you are <laughs> you a saint. To, you are a saint. You had to put up with that. Uh, we're kidding. We're kidding. That's yeah. Not what Kermit we're the Frog isn't actually here, idiots. Yeah, idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Although Spencer, applause, standing ovation for your lovely I kinda, Kermit I kinda, impression. I feel like I kind of lost it there in the middle, but that's I okay. Have, I don't know. That's okay. You I know, start. I feel like you. I started. Strong, uh, well, strong start. Strong. Well, well, well. How strong are we talking here? <laughs> I mean, it's better than what I can do. I'm All not right, even gonna well, try. I appreciate to do it. it. So it's, God bless you for trying it's, it's your it's hardest. One of my very few mediocre uh, impressions that I can do. <laughs> That's well, I appreciate it. I can All do right. stuff when it's like involves like cutting off your throat a little bit when you're talking. 
It's a weird experience to describe. Uh, Lovely. So anything I love in it. that register, I can generally. <laughs> so basically, grab. Kermit the Frog. Then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the it's, only thing that it's is like that. Like Kermit register. the Frog to twenty four from Venture Brothers, but that there we go. Is lost on a lot of people, yeah, so there you go. Okay, so two. <laughs> okay, things. we'll say Kermit the Frog to Ray Romano. I can kind of do oh, that register. Oh, I can. Yeah, Deborah. it's kind of a nasal. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I hate my family. <laughs> That sort of stuff. I don't know. Oh, you know, classic. Uh, all right. Hey, a- happy April Fools! Happy April Fools, my lovelies! Yes. For those who actually understand what April Fools is, you've been bamboozled. For those who don't, sorry. <laughs> Look it up. It's an American thing, I guess. Google it. It's um, dumb as hell. It's real dumb, but <laughs> no we did it because why not? Anyway, <laughs> moving on. So we've strung you out long enough, my friends. So Spencer. What are we actually using as the source material oh. today? <laughs> Wait, it's not Muppet Treasure Island? No, sadly, it's not. As much as I do love me some Muppets and of the Treasure Island variety, the source material is actually quite a bit older, which I'm sure most people know. Oh, yeah, I'm reading it right here. It's, wow, at least 120 years older. Wow, 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 yeah. Well, no, so, 110 years. Uh, 116 years? 116 years. Uh-oh. Yeah. We're doing math on the spot, friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, our American so... education at work. <laughs> Just shaking your head back and forth and oh, hitting it with a no. book. Uh, no, uh, the source material this week is bum, 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 bum. Treasure Island, written Yahoo! by Robert Louis Stevenson in 1883. Yeah, wow. the actual source material. This bad yes. boy is old. It's an I older love book. It. It's, it is uh, classic. Did it, does it predate our last one? Do you remember? Ooh, I think, oh gosh, I, uh-oh, Christmas Carol. Uh-oh, when was that written? That was written in 1843, so that does not. It does not, but it's only yeah. 40 years after, so, you know. Yeah, not still that long. Eight, still in the 1800s, still yeah. hanging out here. Yeah, so we're we're covering the actual Treasure Island as yes. our source material. Yes, and yes, then yes. on the flippity-flop side, I'm putting in another curveball. We are actually not talking about the Muppets, but I'm sure it will come up. Our adaptation is actually Treasure Planet, Ooh. which is an animated Disney f- version. And it was released in 2002, directed by John Musker and Ron Clements. And it has a million amazing voice talents. Such this as cast. This cast Ooh. is crazy. Another good. Crazy good. So we've got Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Emma Thompson, David Hyde Pierce, Brian Murray, Roscoe Lee Brown, Laurie Metcalf, and Martin Short, and many, 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 many other amazing voice actors. It is beautiful. Now, Brian Murray, is that Bill Murray's brother? I don't think so. Brian Murray is the voice of Long John Silver, and he's very Irish. Oh, it's a different Brian Murray. It's different there is a Brian Murray. I think you're right. I think Bill Murray's older brother? Yes. Brian is Murray. Is Brian Murray? Th- this Brian Murray is South African. Oh, he's South yes. African. Oh, yeah. I thought he was Irish. <gasps> oh, he was born wow, in Wow, he could have fooled me. All right. I stand corrected. Voice. He has a voice. wonderful voice. You know what? Honestly, that kind of makes sense because there is a moment in the movie where he kind of rolls an R uh-huh. a little bit. And I was just like, uh-huh. that was interesting i'm wondering yeah. why he made that choice and if it's that south african accent like kind of coming through a little in. bit it would make sense 
Oh my gosh, I always thought he was Irish because the several things I've seen him in, he was always playing an, an Irishman. Irishman. Oh. So he's very good at pretending, does the very okay. good actings. He's got, um, a, yeah, got a yeah. great voice. Yeah, all right. So that is our actual adaptation. Yeah. So you lovelies know the drill. Spoilers. We're going to talk about this a lot. I mean, this is another one that's been out there for quite some time in many, many different renditions. So I feel like the spoiler disclosure is kind of moot. But if you don't know this story, pause. Go experience the millions of yeah. different versions of this, including the Muppets. Hey. Hey. And then you can come back and then dive into it with us. And before we get started, Spencer, pro source, pro adaptation. Which are you? Oh, man. Um, you know what? I like both so much. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I think I kind of have to go with adaptation a little bit over the <gasps> or, Sorry. Adaptation or, or sorry, source, source over a little bit source over adaptation. Sorry for the the, the fake out there. Uh, oh, fake out! So many um, fake outs. <laughs> the the former, not the latter. Um, uh -huh. Because it is kind of the quintessential adventure story mm -hmm. for a lot of I don't know younger folks. Like I read this in middle school, mm -hmm. so this was like when I was reading this, I remember just being like kind of on the edge of my seat, kind of like being like yeah. one page after the next kind of being like, Oh my gosh. And because like, it's kind of just full of action through like the entire, of of it. It. Or, or at least intrigue yeah. because you're trying to figure out like where all these pieces are kind of fitting together of like the different characters and how they relate to each other and stuff. But mm -hmm. totally. honestly, as much as I love treasure planet, the fact that it is like only like about an hour and a half means they kind of have to like, speed through a lot of the stuff so you're For kind sure. of you're kind of there's a bit of character development that's kind of skipped over so i kind of i like that in the book mm -hmm. because you kind of get to see jim grow a little bit more in the book jim hawkins being the main character yeah um the young boy who's kind of thrust into this um adventure of piracy and finding treasure and stuff yeah. but honestly yeah i think as much as i love both almost equally i think i i think i like that little bit of like kind of character development and um the relationship development between characters as well in the book a bit more than the movie movie's yeah. great don't get the me wrong wonderful. love the yeah. movie yeah but the book kind of like reminded me how much i enjoy that kind of kind of slow burn to like any adventure story where you kind of have to meet all the characters a little bit slowly at first and then you can kind of throw yourself at the 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 adventure itself so yeah those are my thoughts on it yeah yeah no i agree i think i like like basically what you're saying with the with the source i i really love all the detail work and just like pulling you through the story in a way that isn't like it's not a painful pull it's just like you're just attached right. the whole time like what's gonna happen next it's a really great drive into in the book the whole way through and then i think I have a really hard time picking because I yeah. love the original, but then I think there's aspects of Treasure Planet, like the aesthetic and the soundtrack oh, sure. and yeah. just the concept that it's steampunk and like all these things that are very kind of not the same color that you get in the book, but it still renders it, really it, it's, nicely. It aesthetically fits with everything yeah. that like they're trying to tell because like that steampunk sort of nature comes out of like that like late eighteen hundreds, yeah. early nineteen hundreds. Exactly. Anyways, Which is so why it's like so beautiful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a really hard pick for me. I honestly, I don't know if I have a. I don't know if is I'm going to say if I have a. It's, is I it think a, it's tie? a tie. Ooh, to be I quite like that. honest. Wait, yeah. Is this the first tie? 
I have you tied so. before on this show? No, I don't think so. Like, this is a really hard pick. It's a for tough me. one, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Like oh, for me, man, it just kind of it kind of just barely beats out because like mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe just like the my wild imagination as a middle schooler, like reading it, like wanting to, oh, yeah. you know, you know, kind of throwing myself into Jim's perspective a bit more. Yeah. Maybe that like speaks to me a little bit more, but like I totally oh, yeah. like I totally get like the appeal of like Treasure Planet is a beautiful movie, and like it, anim- like animation wise, it hits all of the the all things the I love about it. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a honestly it's a good um kind of through point for like two D to three D animation too because they use a lot of that like three D animation like for ships yeah. and like the cities and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it almost doesn't register as 3D sometimes because they kind of use like a simplistic style for the 3D yeah. rendering and stuff. So it kind yeah. of feels almost 2D at the same time, but just like with a little bit of extra perspective to it. So yes, they do. A and I want to I want to hold off on that because I've got things to talk about. Oh, too. We'll yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, that yeah, yeah. when for we sure. get to the film section, because there's it. a lot to unpack there, which I'd love to talk I more love about. That. A little spoiler, um, but yeah, little, little, little teaser. teaser. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's jump in. So if you wouldn't mind giving us a quick synopsis of the book, that would be fantastic. I would love to. When a mysterious sailor dies in sinister circumstances at the Admiral Benbow Inn, young Jim Hawkins stumbles across a treasure map among the dead man's possessions. But Jim soon becomes only too aware that he is not the only one who knows of the map's existence, and his bravery and cunning are tested to the full. With his friends, Squire Trelawney and Dr. Livesley, he set sail in the Hispaniola to track down the treasure. Woohoo! That was a lot of S's. <laughs> but you did it. But you I made did it. it. Barely. I, I, I made it. Uh, yep. So that's that. And we're done. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. See ya. <laughs> All right. We did it. Woo! Uh, so, okay. So you said you'd read the book back in middle school. Yeah. Was it something that you just kind of picked up on your own? Was it something that the class was doing? No, like, I, how did you get introduced to it? I'm fairly certain this was part of, like, the uh, reading assignments uh, mm-hmm. for one of my English classes. The good old days. Like yeah. Were you excited to read it? I mean, it's reading in middle school, right? <laughs> That's fair. Like, <laughs> like when you're... When you're made to read a book for a class, nobody ever really yeah, likes it. Um, that's true. Luckily, I mean, I did like to read a lot, and like just in general, I still like to read. Mm-hmm. I'm on a mm-hmm. podcast; it's about reading. So wait, what? Huh? <laughs> what it's you not are? just about movies, Aaron. That's only half of it. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as you made sure to tell me, indeed. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, like this was this was definitely like. I think at first maybe I probably had that like initial oh god I have to read a book for class but you know mm-hmm. once you start reading it it's kind of hard to put down it's definitely one of those that like it has like relatable characters um it has a push to adventure that is like it's hard to put down so mm-hmm. like you're kind of just you're kind of experiencing everything along with this character because he's like a fish out of water. Like he's thrown into this scenario where he he's the reluctant main character. He's a mm-hmm. uh, a kid who uh, works in his family's inn, the Admiral Benbow, and mm-hmm. um, is just kind of used to just you know the day to day mundane cleaning and cooking and whatnot. Uh, his father is tragically very sick and his mother is working extra hard to like 
pay for everything and he just kind of feels at odds with the world and then uh this mysterious uh sailor comes into the into his inn with uh this bit of information about a treasure and how he's being uh, assailed by he's being assailed by the one-legged man who's uh, following him you kind of feel for Jim because he's like kind of sucked into this like sense of adventure all of a sudden out of this like Mm -hmm. mundane you know existence and like you can't help but like want him to like kind of keep pushing into the adventure a little bit to Mm -hmm. you know start it off so yeah I mean that was a great kind of pushing off point for the story like having this like initial like protagonist who's like down on his luck and like all all of a sudden this call to adventure hits him and then he's kind of thrust into this position of like having to take off yeah i i think it's it's a really great like coming of age story and a really good adventure story all kind of rolled into one because he does start out with kind of the mundane and then he gets kind of thrust into this really crazy different world than what he's used to and has to just adapt as he goes um and he he ends up going on a a very large yeah on a voyage on a very large ship and He's never, I don't think he's ever left his home before. And it's like a really big deal to then go from land your whole life to go out into the middle of the ocean. And we're thinking 1883. I mean, it was an extremely dangerous time to be a sailor. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't travel unless you need to, generally, mm-hmm. unless it's for work or yeah. whatnot. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's a very dangerous adventure. For a child, I mean, he's. I don't. Do they say his age he's, in the book? He's in his teens. Like teens, I assume right? that he was yeah. probably like fifteen or sixteen or something like that. Yeah, so pretty young. So that's a really big adventure to go on at such a young age and in a time where full-grown men didn't want to do it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so... like, you see, like he's always kind of lamenting on like like the state of like men who are doing this stuff like uh billy mm-hmm. bones who comes to him comes to this inn is like a old drunk like he's Very literally grisly. literally yeah. the doctor tell like there's this uh doctor oh, that keeps yeah. visiting for um for his father who is like bedridden and sick and like on his deathbed almost and mm-hmm. For Jim's father. And uh, he, like, I think he meets with Billy Bones at one point and he keeps telling him that uh, the rum will be the end of you. Have, yep. Yeah, this will, like, if you, if you keep drinking, you will die. And it mm-hmm. is what became the end of Billy Bones is he has a uh, stroke after mm-hmm. meeting with another pirate who brings news uh, that. The Frenchman Pierre, right? Yes, yes. That, the uh, guy who brings him the black spot. Uh, well, I thought it was a blind man, wasn't it? Wasn't it the, uh... Yeah, isn't he a blind Frenchman? Oh, is he a blind he... Frenchman? Okay. Maybe he's... Is that not him? Maybe I'm... Th- maybe... Sorry. I very well I, I, mixing this I up have... with Muppet I never... Th- I never... I do know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Blind I... Pierre! Black Pierre! <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. I am... I am... I do recall exactly what that Muppet looks like now. Um... <laughs> Now that I have Muppet Church Island oh, French on the brain. Oh, that's such a good um, scene. <laughs> but they have, but in the book, they have this, like, standoff, essentially, for, like, an hour or two, where they're just, like, drinking and just talking back and forth, mm-hmm. and uh, Jim comes in after, like, a struggle, after hearing a struggle, after listening to, like, them quietly talking, and finds Billy Bones in quite a state with uh, Pierre, like, on his way mm-hmm. out, essentially. Yeah, it's... 
did, I, I totally forgot to look this up. Do you know the history of the black spot? Like what that actually means? I know it's, I God, I should have looked this up. So I know that it's like a bad omen, but I can't remember where it originated from. But oh, it's like it a actually, pirate's... it's it's from uh, Robert Louis Stevenson. He actually <gasps> he made it, it up. Yep, he <gasps> created the black spot. No, yeah. that's so cool. I didn't know this was the first time it came out. It's literally a literary device that he created for the book. Dude, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's just sort okay. Of like, it's well, sort there of like, you go. It's it's like the mob leaving a horse's head in your bed essentially it is <laughs> yeah. the it is the equivalent yeah. of like having a hit put out on you and yep. having you know about it beforehand they like warn you it's like hey yep. just so you know we're coming for you we're coming for you and yeah yeah put your affairs in order because this is this is your end essentially oh i didn't realize that this yeah. was coined by him oh that's so cool right what a cool thing to invent yeah like i just can't even imagine like where did that come from like what well, inspired it, him apparently to do it's that? Pro- it seems like it may be like a biblical a biblical thing oh so, okay it says the uh, the words on the black spot uh, on the back of that black spot were taken from the biblical book of revelation like an allusion to the mark of the beast and the last judgment. So it's essentially oh, like, yeah, okay, it's essentially Got like it. a biblical like you're you're going Reckoning. to die now. Yeah, this mm. is this is your last moments. Sort Dude, of that's crazy cool. Yeah, Thank you for looking that up, yeah. I was unaware of Happy that. To I was it. going to, and then I totally spaced. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's just like some really ingenious writing mechanics like this this is it's i didn't even realize that this was one of them but there's just so much color and so much like flavor to the story and i feel like you you don't really get the same kind of vibe anymore with like present day books and like 1883 it was just such a different style of writing and we've talked about this kind of in christmas carol too where there's how influential this sort of style and prose well I'm, i'm wondering like how much this actually influenced like modern day like depictions of pirates and stuff like that too because because like Ooh, if yeah. this is like one of the like kind of go-to sources for any like other source materials that are kind of basing it off of piracy and stuff because you mm-hmm. see a lot of this stuff i feel like uh, black spot was in uh the pirates of the caribbean movie yep the second one i think yep this this stuff is like as much as like he's informed on like like how piracy worked like in like the 1800s and stuff I'm pr- mm-hmm. like i'm almost positive that like a lot of stuff was just based, like, almost literally off of Robert Louis Stevenson's books and stuff well, like I that. Well, I can definitely tell you, like, present-day stuff for sure. I'm curious, yeah, I'm curious to know if, you know, even after this book came out, if piracy started to shift because of literature. Like, that's a great question. Well, I'm, I'm not actually sure. I'm, That'd be fascinating to know. I mean, this is the late 1800s, so I'm sure that mm-hmm. this is probably, like, the, like, if anything, piracy is probably on its way out, like... That's Pir- true. Piracy is like quote unquote pirates and stuff like that. The like the stuff mm-hmm. that you think of when you see pirates is probably be phasing like, out. Yeah, phasing out at this point. That's true. Just because That's true. like the world has opened up so much at that uh, mm-hmm. during the eighteen hundreds and like we're like on the way to like the industrial revolution and stuff. Or, like That's we've true. passed the industrial revolution at this point, so we're like yeah, you know, you you can live off the land as much as the land that you're on more than like having to transfer goods over as much mm, so that's a good point yeah but i mean today's media and oh, yeah. coverage is absolutely persuaded by this like you were saying the black spot and you know the x marks the spot and like oh, all yeah. these things about yeah, yeah, 
And then like pirates with pig legs and parrots. And I mean, there's like a lot of tropes that have come out of this. Um, and it's, yeah, it's very prevalent in yeah. not just renditions of Treasure Island, but just in general of yeah, just the, the pirate, the pirate mythos itself has yeah. kind of been like informed by like Robert Louis Stevenson and like his counterparts and stuff like that. So yeah, it's classic and I yeah. love it. It's great. Um, But yeah, you get like throughout the book, you know, you have um, Jim kind of like working his way, getting like credit on the ship and stuff like that. And he meets uh, the ship's cook, Long John Silver, who is this like this one legged pirate who he immediately kind of makes the connection in his head with Billy Bones that this guy might be the the man that uh, he was warning him of. Beware the one legged pirate. And he and uh, Long John Silver actually get along, which is pretty fun as like as a villain because you know that this is probably yeah. the bad guy, but he's uh-huh. like kind of playing it off like he's, he's you so know, endearing. He's char- charismatic. Yeah. Um. He's he's just lively and like fun to be around and like even like even though the captain and like uh, his first mate like sort of are a little bit wary of him they still kind of mm. give him the breadth he needs to kind of flourish and like kind of be his kind of charismatic character that he is cuz they kind of they definitely like comment on him being like a little too like in good leagues with everybody at the same time like he's playing like all sides and stuff like that constantly trying very good at it trying to like smooth everything over between the crew and like the and the the people in charge and stuff like that yeah it's it's such a good character and and you're absolutely right like for him to be the actual like villain yeah of the book when that reveal happens so charming yeah when that reveal happens like jim is taken aback like he had Mm -hmm. i think it's when he's in the apple barrel right like there's right there's this moment here's the conversation where it's like he like they've all been on the ship for like a couple days at this point like they've set sail for the island right months yeah probably at this yeah yeah months at this point yeah Yeah. weeks maybe yeah because he's had like time to like come in you know come into his own on the ship and stuff like that Mm -hmm. at this point but like he overhears silver and the rest of the crew talking of mutiny and mm-hmm. this whole this plan that like once they hit the island they're going to like take over the ship and get the treasure for themselves obviously and yes as pirates do as pirates do and jim with this knowledge is able to talk to smollett the captain and is arrow around at this point arrow so interesting thing about arrow which we're going to do a little bit of a comparison yeah. isn't he like a drunk and is not very reliable I think that's and actually what it is. I doesn't think he like fall overboard and dies or right. something like yeah. like he he's he actually just, kind of a weird throwaway character he's incapacitated a which was mm-hmm. when we get into the movie, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, or the comparison yeah. between the movie. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, I don't think he was there at that point. So yeah, Arrow's not there, but it's 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 tr- it's Trelawney and... The Doctor. The Doctor and the Captain and like a couple other like uh, hands. First mates and yeah, stuff, yeah. You know, uh, deckhands and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. uh, the interns of the ship, essentially. The interns. Um, that... <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're probably only following the captain because he probably hired them on himself or something like that, I'm assuming. Yeah, either that or they were able to like get persuaded to his side right. because maybe he pays better or something. Right. Yeah, but, that's fair. Uh, yeah, they, they're or they loyal have mo- to him. More morals than a pirate would, essentially, at that point. Yeah. Uh so the the plan is that once land is discovered, they're going to take over the ship 
and sail the rest of the way to the land. But Jim is able to get ahead of the curve a bit and let the captain and his like uh, confidants know that they're playing on the mutiny. They're able to mm-hmm. escape onto the island before uh, the rest of the crew is able to, essentially. Yeah. To find the treasure beforehand hopefully, and secure it before the pirates can get to it, essentially. Yeah, then it's just like a race to the finish kind yeah, of vibe. And there's the whole, are... there's this whole stand, like, um, Jim the standoff, meets, yeah, yeah, Jim meets up with, um, Billy Bones, who was a mutineer from Flint's... Not Billy Bones, Ben. No, sorry, uh, Ben, um, Yeah, Ben... Ben oh. Gunn. Gunn, ben thank Gunn. you. Yes, thank yeah. you. Uh, Billy Bones is dead at this point. Uh, Ben Gunn, who is another of uh, Flint's crewmates, but was marooned marooned on the island and has been living there for like, what, a decade or so? A while. So he's a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs at that point. Been eating goats and (laughs) uh, building his own ship in the meantime, or his own boat in the meantime. And he has like this little... uh, little hut essentially that he had built and they kind of hold up in there and there's this like this big meeting between the captain and jim and uh long john silver and the rest of the pirate crew essentially yeah they they have like a parlay essentially yeah Yeah, that's interesting to have the whole like standoff thing and then there's a parlay and then the pirates take over and then there's like a battle and then jim gets kind of jim, lost in the woods jim, for a bit yeah, he sneaks <laughs> like, off and then he goes back to the ship and right. is able to like kind of rest the ship free from, yeah that's right like he actually i think he's able to like essentially hold the like skeleton crew that they have on their hostage mm-hmm. and I think he incapacitates a couple guys and then the last guy there's this awesome point where like the the boat is like kind of like bouncing off of waves and stuff and like it's this mm-hmm. big like rocking back and forth and like he has to climb up into the into the the crow almost the crow's nest like yeah. on the sail to like get away from this pirate who's chasing him and there's this amazing literary it's described perfectly of like him sitting on like one of the uh, the posts on the mast, essentially, as mm-hmm. the pirate is, like, climbing up to him with a knife in his teeth. And he's, like, gritting his teeth. And Jim oh. has, like, two guns drawn on him. And, he, and the pirate, like, has to, like, stop climbing. And he's, like, trying to talk to him. But he has, like, the, the knife, knife in his mouth. <laughs> and there's this, this is, like, it's kind of, like, a little bit of comedy on top of it. Because, it's like... A great scene. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, it's it's this, like, farcical scene where Jim is sitting on the mast with two guns pointed at a pirate who's trying to, like, talk at him with a knife to in his To reason mouth. with him. <laughs> and then he ends up yeah. throwing the knife and Jim shoots him off of the... Oh, it's so it's... Yeah. Like, in That's an That's a wild scene. Yeah. And then Jim's able to take control of the trip and it's pretty... Yeah, Yeah, it's pretty baller. (laughs) He's like 15 or 16 years old. That's pretty impressive to be a fair. Yeah. 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 It's just like there's so many things about this. Like you're saying the the writing style. It's just so pretty. Yeah. It's it's, it's so nice. I don't know. It's definitely like a piece of its time. Like it it has like all the language of something that you expect from the 1800s in it. But it's like very eloquently written and like very easy to like understand and like Mm -hmm. parse through and it you know it's just just a great read i don't know it's it is get past that and jim brings he essentially he leaves the ship after it's been emptied of like the other crewmates right and it's just it's just kind of just it's on its own just kind of like hanging out in the just off the coast of the island essentially and he goes back to like meet up with 
uh, the captain and everyone. And I believe Silver has at this point taken over the yeah uh, the, fo- the little uh, hut that they had been protecting this over, entire time. They overturned it. Yeah. Right? So he, now that Jim tri- have everybody. Jim tries to sneak back in after. Um, a night of taking the the Hispaniola back, mm-hmm. and um, is uh, rudely <laughs> awakens everyone else by alerting uh, Silver's parrot. Yeah, to right. uh, everybody's there. Yeah, and then after that, we have uh, Silver taking uh, Jim and the rest of his crew to the treasure, which they find has been already dug up. <gasps> it has been found it's already. It's been found Ba-ba-ba-ba! already. I know. Yep. And it turns out that, well, I don't want to spoil it. Uh, we'll just assume that it's gone. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, that somebody else had already taken it. And uh, oh, Silver's no. men turn on him so dang fast. Oh, my God. Yeah, they're like, no money. We're out. Yep. And <laughs> at this point, I think this is where um, the captain shows up again to, like, mm-hmm. Captain and uh, Trelawney come back. And kind of yep. have everyone at uh, gunpoint. And, uh, yep, they're like, we're back in business, buddies. Yep. There's no treasure. <laughs> what are you going to do? And yeah. so Silver is trying to, like, play both sides at this point. Like, he's, like, he's jumping back and forth. Like, now he's on the captain's side and he's trying to, like, get, you know, in their good graces and everything. It's the first time that he's not been in control. Yeah, and it's like, like it like he it's flips a big deal. he flips so mm-hmm. quickly to like that other yeah. you know, his Very like, strategic. And then after that, I believe they uh Ben Gunn kind of brings them back to the caves that after the crew is kind of separated from Silver and the captain and mm-hmm. everything. Um, they find that Ben Gunn is actually the one who dug up the treasure and hid it in his like secret like cave system that he's been like keeping like salted goat meat and all this stuff and like been living off of essentially for like the last 10 years and yeah they end up uh what bringing the treasure back and find it leaving sadly leaving leaving the the pirates behind but you know with with some that's a little messed up yeah i mean they left uh food and like guns and stuff for them to like hunt and stuff so it wasn't the worst that they, it was definitely, you know, they kind of left them there to survive on their own, though. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like between them being stuck on an island with some resources to defend them for right. themselves rather than just go straight to the gallows, which is basically what would have happened. Exactly. Or at least put in home. or at least put in prison for a long time. Or, yeah. Probably gallows. Yeah. They probably, probably hung gallows. Because I point. think most of the time, I think pirates were always hung so, unless they pledged allegiance right, to, to the, the crown. So at that point, it was probably almost a mercy that they left them with the provisions Kinda. that they had and like on an a little, island. A little stuff. rough, but yeah. I, that just made me think of yeah. when they first find Ben. Um, <laughs> there's a scene. It's like such a weird little scene, but it's really, it's just a, another kind of extra texture to it. Right. Where he's talking about how much he misses cheese. Oh, that's right. And then, and I remember there's a point <laughs> like where he gets weirdly yeah. into like, how oh, much he God. misses cheese. Just cheese over toast. That's all I want. Yeah. And I was like, so oh, funny. that sounds good. I get that. Yeah. I would yeah, probably he's... want that. And doesn't the doctor like tell Jim to bring back? There's like Parmesan and like yeah. his, his like. Yeah. There's a the piece. Of, there's a piece of Parmesan in the stores. You should bring it back, and we'll give mm-hmm. it to Ben or something like that. Yeah, and then I think they say like, "We well, obviously we can pay you for your troubles if right. you help." He's like, "If you can give me cheese, Jeez, that's all I, I want. don't care. That's all I care about." <laughs> 
it's like I get it, man. Things. I get yeah, it. Yeah, it was so funny. I would funny. kill I was, for cheese. I, if, I mean, if, if I you've been left... marooned on an island for 10 years, oh, yeah. go for the cheese. Cheese is not going to be Lactose there. Lactose intolerance like... or not, just, fact, yeah. just go for it. <laughs> yeah, that was <sighs> just that, such a quirky writing where it's like it, there's no need for that to be there, right. but it added so much it's just this, like this texture. Little little bit of silliness to kind of add more depth mm-hmm. to the characters a bit, you know, to show that like yeah, they are human. This dude would be thinking about just the thing that he wants most. Like, he's been thinking about it for been, ten like years. Like if there was yeah. one, like I would definitely want cheese after I was on I an know. island without cheese for ten years. Like, and Ben is a little cuckoo for cocoa yeah. puffs anyway, so I think he was like really hyper focused on that anyway. Exactly. On top of like truly craving things that he hasn't had for that long but it's just the presentation was great right and the <laughs> fact that there might be a chance because these people are from the mainland they may have cheese. they may They're have civilized. cheese with them yep exactly it's is like a really funny little like character ad and this is kind of what you know you were talking about in the beginning where the, the development of characters in this it's very minute things like that but it really lingers and really gives you a good sense of the characters yeah without having to really dive super deep no it's just these little these little like little characterizations that they have that like kind of make them their own mm-hmm. that like really come through just like and kind of define them in certain because like even though it's a cheese thing, you know that ben is like a guy that is has literally been on an island for years and he Alone. has had <laughs> nothing but goats Nothing yeah. but salted goat. Like yeah. that would like if you had to eat for ten like, years straight. P- pizza sounds great, right? But if you had Not to eat years. pizza <laughs> every day for ten years, yeah, you would want like awful. an apple. <laughs> Anything. An apple Anything would be else. the best thing in the world at that point, right? Yeah. Or a salad. Oh my god! Don't even get me started yeah. on a head of lettuce. Oh, I would just <laughs> mess that thing up. <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah, I can imagine that. iceberg or not. <laughs> Sorry. I prefer romaine. No, I agree. I agree. So do I. But if I've been eating pizza for a year. That's fair. That's fair. Sorry. Can't be choosy about it. I interrupted you. We digress. Uh, Yeah, it's it's, it's just like, I of course, like, I always do this where I'm like, oh, I should write that down. And then I'm like, but I don't want to stop reading. Right. So then I keep reading and then I forget to write it down. That's great, There's so many things. There's a lot of, like, little bits that, like, shine through for each Really nice texture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm, it's just a sweet right. piece, and honestly, I think even in in you know across pretty much all versions, I think uh, Long John is my favorite character. Well, he's great, and the it's fact such that the fact interesting that he, character, the fact that he lives to or he fight he lives to fight another day, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, there's always like an ulterior motive, and that you he has. want him to, yeah, because he's he's like just like relatable enough as like an antagonist that like mm-hmm. he almost feels like one of the heroes, but just turned a little bit. Like he yeah. he could have been a hero along the way, but he yeah, had just he just his, chose a different his, his like, morals. Path. His morals were just a little bit off that he had to you know he fell down a different path and like he could have been that good guy and he kind of shines through as the bad good guy in this almost. Yeah, and you can tell his character really does have a- affection for Jim. Yeah. And especially you can see... a boy who's like needing a father and like yeah, needing needs this, a father like, figure needs and... this like push into adulthood almost that uh mm-hmm. Silver kind of gives him if not purposefully but like just through his actions as you know the story progresses of him like 
uh, starting out as this kind of father and influential figure and then turning to be the villain who Jim has to kind of like rise up against and kind of challenge his own morals and his own like conclusions to like, mm-hmm. you know, grow as a person. So you yeah. you have this you have that turning point where he realizes that you know Silver has been lying to him and this uh, aptly named Silver tongued you know individual yeah. has been like leading him on this entire time and like uh, using his naivete as a young man who doesn't like know anything about you know the world or anything mm-hmm. he's he's been raised in a in an inn like he mm-hmm. doesn't know anything but like that world mopping and sweeping and doing dishes and helping his family like he's he's thrown into this world that he doesn't know anything about and is unpredictable and he has to kind of find his footing in it and silver is that footing for a time and Mm -hmm. because he is the the guy that reaches out to him and kind of extends the hand where you know uh, he has he doesn't have anyone and it's 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 kind of it's perfect for um the betrayal and the like the setup like told like the betrayal comes through really soundly because you yes. you feel jim feeling broken and you feel betrayed, betrayed. yeah and exactly exactly and it's it, stevenson does a great job of like kind of projecting this through his writing and like showing that jim is just uh, he's a naive kid he doesn't know what he's he's out of his depth at this point but then he has to persevere in the face of you know the adversity that he's uh, yeah. presented with and he is challenged and he has to you know he has to ride through a a, a, a tiny sh- a long skiff. long boat essentially yeah. through hours of pounding waves just to catch up with the hispaniola at one point like through the mm-hmm. night until he can finally get there and then salvage you know what he can of the ship to bring back and it it shows that like he has grown at that point to like like past what silver could teach him past Mm -hmm. what like his upbringing brought him and like he just he had to make his way himself so it's kind of it's a great like kind of underdog story in a way too yeah and i just i love the the way that you know silver is a father or uncle figure yeah. of some sort, like a, a kind of a role model to begin with. And you see him help Jim build the tools he needs. Yeah. And then when the betrayal happens, he's able to use see those that, tools. Yeah, yeah. He's got the tools to do what he needs to do. Right. And then he, he even expands on that further. And, and and you see how far he's come, which it's like, I, and how he and how an he how he plays the player at that game too. Yeah, like he plays. Exactly. He is able to play Silver a lot of the time without mm-hmm. Silver actually knowing that. Like because both of them are each other's weak spots. Exactly, and they know it. Yeah, and they're able to play to their advantage, and it's just such a clever way of creating tension and plot drive. But you, it's like you still have a villain, you still have an, a protagonist, right. but it's it's just such a different interpretation. It's almost it's almost like two protagonists on different sides fighting each yeah. other essentially. Yeah, cuz you are really like I I mean myself personally I'm always rooting for Silver. It's like, not it's, it's not as character. clear cut as good and evil. Mm-mm. It's like shades it's like good and a shade of gray essentially. Yeah. Cuz Jim is Which like is the is, is the moral <laughs> like good because like he's mm-hmm. he doesn't have he's young and doesn't know Exactly. He's bright-eyed, yeah. bushy-tailed. He doesn't have like the world experience. He is like literally the storybook you know protagonist and silver Mm. is this like 
uh, layered shades of gray individual who has lived an entire life and now has to go up against this morally good force and the morally good force is able to kind of lean into those shades after he kind of learns you know the way how to play the game essentially yeah and you know that i mean just like as a somebody who is he's he's an amputee so that alone in the 1800s is not an easy life and living on the sea is not an easy life so he is not had anything like soft in his life for years and so you see that that's kind of what's been created out of that lifestyle and that kind of living situation and he's like he could have been a lot worse like he still cares about jim he still cares about his crew and he's right. a very smart, sharp guy. I would actually... Like he's really clever. I would say that he's able to use that to his advantage a lot of the time, too. Because Absolutely. Because not only... It's it's one of those things where, like, yes, he is disabled, but at the same time, he is able to overcome his disabilities. Absolutely. And But he's able to play people with it, too. And he's able to use what everyone else's misconceptions of him are to his advantage to kind of play that part so like he is the unassuming one-legged chef yep it's genius but you know and and it's perfect because in actuality he's this like pirate mastermind mastermind (laughs) who is like bloodthirsty and like willing to kill to get one one more foot ahead of the next person essentially and yeah and it's and it just shows like how clever long john is and how he's like willing to play the long game to like to get to you know his treasure at the end even though he doesn't really get his treasure at the end he uh he 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 does escape with a bag of uh, about a thousand guineas i think is what they say yeah something like that he gets a little bit but not all of it but he gets away he lives another day he's able to carve out a hole in the hole Mm-hmm. pull out like a bag of money essentially and take a longboat out so clever it's great it's oh, and, you, it's and you're like you know what story. he did he was playing both sides and nobody i mean only one person really got what they wanted but he got a little bit of what he wanted and yeah i feel like yeah. it, it's that's that's a win in long john silver's eyes is being able to live another day and get a little bit of coin out of it too absolutely right? yeah I, I i mean obviously not end result you wanted but the alternatives he, were much more he grim. wasn't hung yeah he didn't get hanged um yeah so that's great and he yeah. gets to live with his wife and with a bit of money so that sounds pretty yep. great yep just stellar, yeah. stellar characters. It's so good. Ugh. Ugh. Well, we could keep talking about the book, but do we want to yeah. bump over to the film? Sounds good to me. Well, let me um, let me give a little synopsis of the movie really All quick, right. and then we'll jump right in. Sounds good. So. In the science fiction rendering of the classic novel Treasure Island, Jim Hawkins, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, is a rebellious teen seen by the world as an aimless slacker. After he receives a map from a dying pirate, he embarks on an odyssey across the universe to find the legendary treasure planet. Yes, so right out the gate, it's a sci-fi, baby! Yeah, it is! What? Yes, it is a set-in-space pirate adventure and it is steampunk themed yeah. and i just oh, love it so, so much the aesthetic is great oh I my god it. it's gorgeous gorgeous beautiful beautiful oh my god it's so beautiful it reminds me a lot of the, the same kind of like 
window of time when like Tarzan was coming out and Hercules was coming out Atlantis, and like the lost empire Atlantis was coming yeah. out yeah like that style was just beautiful yeah. everything about it was gorgeous oh god and I just oh I can't get over like the score was so good who did the score it was um no I don't know oh, off the top of my head crap I just looked it up the other day it's one of the big ones oh Howard it's Shore. not no, it's not. I don't think so. It wasn't. Uh, I was like, it's not Howard Shore. It's um, <laughs> crap. It'll come to me in a second. But it's one of the big ones. Um, oh man. Music by James Newton Howard. James Newton Howard. I was like, it's three names. Yep, James uh, Newton Howard, who's been did... like, he's done a million different things. He did the Dark Knight, which he composed oh, with Hans Zimmer. Yeah, he did. Yeah, so, so stellar he's, stuff. He's got a pretty good career. Really big repertoire. Yeah, big repertoire. Yeah. So the oh, the soundtrack is so good, and it's just so beautiful. And that's literally all I would need to talk about, and I would be happy about it. But we'll try to talk about other things. <laughs> but uh, I just, I God, the design is just so beautiful, and I love that they actually kind of again, it's steampunk. So the the steampunk genre is very. Um, kind of reminiscent yeah. of 1800s already oh, yeah, for because sure. that's kind of when it was starting to originate in like time machine and stuff it's like that it's you definitely know? like futuristic stuff if we hadn't progressed from the aesthetic of the 1800s essentially mm-hmm. steam powered yeah. but futuristic yeah, exactly. it's great um, speaking of uh, design mm. character design Holy yes. moly, this was, like, the most diverse, like, character. So like, each crazy. different... Because uh, this is a um, a movie that su- supposes that, like, there's aliens and, like, everyone is, Yeah, like, it's all different races. all kinds yeah. of different, like, alien races and stuff. Very Star Wars vibe. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, like, each different character is very unique in its own, like, design, which is really cool. You don't usually yeah. see that, like, a whole lot of that, like attention to detail with like some of these movies but like i mean every character is a different species on the ship and like jim and his mother are the only humans humans you see they are yeah Yeah. it's it's amazing it's and it's like delbert is the doctor and he's like a dog kind of humanoid doppler yeah and then there's like the captain who is a like a cat humanoid arrows like a big rock man rock Uh, yeah i mean there's like silver is a cyborg silver's like he's a cyborg but like cat ears kind of of, but he's He's more humanoid, but he has, his ears are different, and he's got you know a cyborg arm, leg, and an eye. I mean, it's very cool. You got Morph, it's the, very the, cool. The, the parrot uh, stand-in, which yes, is this little his... blob that like turns into whatever it wants he's a to morph. essentially. It just... <laughs> and it'll. Oh, he's so cute. Yep, he just like duplicates other things yep. and other people and he's just stupid cute but he stays the size of whatever he is so like mm-hmm. so he's like itty bitty. he makes a tiny little uh gym at one at several points yeah. in it to like just repeating himself back to him <laughs> so cute <laughs> yep it's amazing design and again like the costume aesthetic it looks like 1800s yeah. because it's steampunk so you can get away with that aesthetic it's not like star wars Every- where it's you know meant to be its own thing exactly so the aesthetic is completely different where they've hybrided in the cl- the clothing style yeah. but then steampunk and aliens i mean it's just like it's, it's, it's like if they, it's like if they did star wars but it was in space as like shakespeare samurais essentially yes oh that needs to be a thing yeah. Ugh. 
yeah it's it's just beautiful yeah. I god I just cannot get over everything about it is just uh, it's so beautiful. it's great and it's so beautiful like the whole like him getting introduced to the ship and like all the different characters on it is great yeah like his first thing that he does is accidentally insult like an alien that's like a fart <laughs> alien essentially he, is, he speaks flatula. flatula yeah that's right I took two years uh, flatula. flatula I am <laughs> what does he say? Practically fluent. I'm, I'm fluent. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, some really quirky things. Yeah, I mean, it's it's everything about it is just beautiful. Like you look at the design of the ships and the the um sails the solar and sails. the yeah, they're solar sails. Yeah. So they're solar panels to run an electric ship because it's in space. So there's no water. Solar it's sails all in are space. actually a thing. Did you know that? That's so cool. Yeah. I, did I know that? So Maybe the not. Uh, the Planetary Society, which is a uh, science based like uh, non governmental like organization, essentially that is mm. run by uh, is led by Bill Nye. He is the CEO, I believe. Oh, cool! Um, they developed a actual solar sail uh, attached oh. to like a little probe, essentially that they oh. were able to send out into space. And so the, the way that this thing That's is, so cool. the solar sail itself is, like, less than, like, a millimeter thin of, like, wow. this uh, super conductive um, material, essentially, that um, wow. they essentially fire a laser into from the body of the craft to propel the sail forward through space using the laser's energy to push it forward. <gasps> That's so cool. And so the idea is, like, once you start gaining enough speed, you'll just continue because there's no drag you just in keep space. Going. There's, you just right. Keep there's no exponentially gravity. Exponentially yeah. keep gaining speed. So this is like potentially a form of travel that, uh, if you have a big enough uh, sail with a small with a relatively sized payload, you can send it out very quickly across the solar <gasps> system. Oh my god, that's so cool! So they were able to send like <laughs> like a very like small payload, which was probably maybe like. 20 pounds or so up to like super fast speeds like across the solar system which is pretty cool oh my god yeah so it's like it's this cool like amalgamation (laughs) of like sci-fi what Mm -hmm. could be to like sci-fi what what is is. yeah yeah which is pretty cool because as soon as i saw this the the sales i was like oh that's an I was like, I made a note of that. I was like, this is actually a thing. I'm going to bring this up on the podcast. That's amazing. I did not know that. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, it's like the design is so cool. And then, I mean, I will say there's some flaws because the whole like, oh, they're flying in space and yet they can right. breathe in space. Right. And there's, I'm like, ah, they have the, so I mean, they have the anti-gravity <laughs> thing to like, to, to yeah. They have anti-gravity, but they then they're still that breathing away. in space. But it's, yeah, exactly. They're all still <laughs> breathing in space. It's fine. Uh, they can it's fly fine. really close to a comet in a little sh- like a little skiff uh, thing. Yeah. Also, there's like a black hole and a supernova oh my God. that all happen. The and black they, hole they fly away from that. Holy and I was like, shit. one, that happened so fast. And two, no one died. And I don't know yeah. how. <laughs> one, I'm pretty sure a supernova happens over millions of years. Generally. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's like, exactly. So well, it's like, actually, it'll happen so, in seconds. Yeah, it's like really, man. It yeah, was pretty, yeah, pretty immediate, which I thought was pretty funny. I was like, well, no one said this was a scientifically uh, accurate film. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> you suspend the disbelief for the Disney. I get Disney, it. man, it's Disney, but it's God, it's just so. I mean, and I like, what, oh, I just keep thinking of like other things where they're 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 uh, when they're first going out of out of the port towards. Um, 
trying to find Treasure Planet, right. there's like the the, the, the sea whales, whales or yeah. the space yeah, whales and stuff. I mean, there's so it? Or- much. Orcus, uh, Gigantus oh, or something like that. Oh, something like yeah. that. Yeah. It's, I remember just so many yeah, things. Yeah, because uh, the about Doppler tries it. to get a big, like a close up picture of it, and uh, Amelia's like, <laughs> I wouldn't do that. And it just yeah. blasts him with snot, and he's just like, <laughs> and, and I love that the, the shoots out a little Polaroid, and then immediately yeah. snot drips off of the camera onto the Polaroid. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. There's just like little details like that. You have like the whole like gin song where it's him like thinking of <gasps> that's the goo goo dolls yeah that's right oh that song is so good that was written for the film oh that's great it's yeah just, it's a cute song where it's it's I like him it's it. like him reminiscing about like his father leaving and then also like yeah. working on the ship at the same time and like how long john silver is kind of that father figure that's replacing it because they show like jim's father living and flashbacks during the song but kind of juxtaposed to silver like helping jim like you know tie a knot and then like helping mm-hmm. him shove off uh, like on uh, on this little skiff thing and like mm-hmm. you get to see like the companionship that they are building together at the same yeah. time as like knowing that silver is not who he says he is so yeah i wanted to talk about that actually that i think is one of my favorite aspects of the film is that his father is not ill his father is not dead his right. father actually Just leaves left. like yeah. he, he leaves his mom and this him is actually the part that he's... i kind of censored myself earlier because i was like should i talk yeah. should, I, should i bring this up because we're i didn't know if we were we wanted to talk about that but it is a, it is a big it is a big departure from the yeah it was substantially different, but I I kind of love that they depicted yeah. that in that way because it's this is where the you know we're gonna kind of dive into the comparison a little bit, but Jim's character in the film is kind of broken right. and isn't in a, a good headspace. Not because his father is ill and on death's door; it's because he his father just left them yeah. and he just feels abandoned because he was, and so he's like struggling. To know what to do with himself, he's lost his father right. figure. His mom is doing what she can, well, but it's like the, the it's, movie opens. It's a lot of turmoil. The movie opens <laughs> like all the, speaking of all this pressure. Like he, the movie opens with essentially them losing their home, like their home burns yeah. down in that in yeah. that like in in the uh, when all the pirates when all, come. yeah when all the pirates come through and his mom he, he and he has to leave his mom. It's not only that yeah. his home is gone. But he also has to leave the only family that he has left. Literally the only family, yeah. It's very different dynamic. And he's on his own, essentially, on the boat until Silver comes into his life. And he's able to kind of fulfill that familiar role that Jim is desperately craving at this point. Because he has yeah. no like connection to anyone. He's alone until, until yeah. Silver is able to kind of pull him back into it and like show... like him you know being that commanding like fatherly figure i'm gonna work you until you can't stand anymore essentially but at the same Mm -hmm. time looking out for him yeah i appreciated that they had a little bit of tough love in there but it wasn't so much of like we're gonna beat you down and build you back up it was like to show him that he can actually do these things and he can if he puts his mind to these things he can actually accomplish quite a bit it's just he didn't have the drive or the want like he was just constantly to show him. he was just constantly getting into trouble before like he was he was one of those like kind of rec- you know he was a, rec- a recluse like he was he was mm-hmm. going out and 
you know, getting in trouble with the law. Mm-hmm. You know, he was on like his last chance. Right. He was basically on probation and almost going to be sent to, to juvenile. juvie. Hall, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, he was walking on thin ice, but I just love the way that they they depicted his character of like, this is how he has or has not been dealing with his trauma of being abandoned. Yeah. At, a, at an age. I mean, they show his father leaving when he's probably like 10 ish, yeah. maybe. They don't say but ages, he, but they do a kind of time jump. Yeah. But that's a really impressionable time oh, for absolutely. any child to to have something that drastic happen in your life and also you can see like you can see the trauma that it's left on his mother mm-hmm. and i mean that's a great and gut-wrenching scene yeah. where it's it, there's no dialogue it's just the song playing over and you see all the emotion without any words really having to be said it's it's that's i think honestly that whole sequence of him like learning to befriend Silver and then having the flashbacks of what his childhood was like and how he kind of got to this point and how now he is somebody who actually is investing time into him. That whole sequence is by far my favorite part of the film. But not just like investing time, but like Silver is also softening on him at the same time. Mm -hmm. Because you see that like Silver comes back to check on Jim after like, you know, during during this montage where he's like, He's been scrubbing all oh, these dishes right. he's doing and all the stuff. Dishes, yeah. And he comes back to check. Mountains of he's, dishes. Yeah. He <laughs> drops off this big load after he's just finished, you know, cleaning some. Mm-hmm. And like he comes back after Jim has been, you know, doing this for hours, supposedly, and he finds Jim asleep and he's about to like scold him, but then he looks over and he sees that all he's done all the work. It's the beautiful yeah. orientation of all the dishes and they're all clean and gleaming. And he takes off his coat. And he puts it over a sleeping gym and mm-hmm. looks at him with this fatherly kind of gaze. And you're like, yeah, you, you, you see where Silver kind of doesn't want anything to happen. He doesn't he doesn't want Jim to, you know, come. To, he sees the the innocence in Jim and how Jim has just been eating this father figure in his life that maybe Silver mm-hmm. didn't have. Even it feels like Silver's almost trying to make up for lost time for like not being able to you know, maybe have his yeah. own kids because I don't know. Yeah. I, I may be yeah. just speculating a bit, but like it kind of. No, it... I totally agree. Again, there's like some really sweet moments between Silver and Jim where it's like, you know, you've got the makings of greatness and he there's like this really cute speech that he tells him is like, you can do anything you set your mind to and, and you just need somebody to be there to help you see that. And it's, it is really sweet and it is an, it again it's like this this really nice relationship building with Silver and Jim it it just really makes me love Silver's character all the more because you've already kind of seen that right. in the book version but there's so much more warmth and a true fatherly figure kind of pull in this particular version yeah. that I just I loved how they That did is it. definitely the one I think the main thing that makes me kind of challenge my uh, mm-hmm. choice of book over yep. a movie is that probably just this relationship alone and maybe even just like that entire scene by itself is like that whole musical yep. interlude God, so good. and montage of Jim and uh, Long John Silver really understanding each other and becoming a family. Yeah. And it's it's it perfectly, you know, just encapsulates all of like what Jim's been looking for and probably what Silver's been needing to in his life. Yeah. And it's and it's like, again, you, you know, you've got really solid storytelling 
really beautiful aesthetics, amazing sound design, yeah. amazing soundtrack, amazing like cinematography style, art mm-hmm. style, and then also the the voice actors. I mean, Joseph Gordon Lovett is is Jim's voice, right. and he's this was pretty early on in is his he, career. He's pretty young at this point because he's pretty young, and it's just so two thousand two. So yeah, two thousand two. So early probably on, probably seventeen, eighteen years old right now, doing maybe this. almost twenty. Yeah. yeah, and it's just probably around the same age that Jim would have been when like this stuff was happening to him. Yeah, so it's, kind it's of a really good. Like yeah. It's a good Yeah, it's just like that. solid. And then Brian Murray yeah. as Silver is just like apparently he's not Irish, could have fooled me. But his his accent and his demeanor and like he's this is like really big guy yeah. and he looks really spooky with this laser eye when you first meet him, but the warmth that comes off of him and the voice really is what makes it. And kind of the, kook- the aesthetic kookiness too cuz he's got yeah. he's got this arm that can like do all this like fun stuff. Yeah, it's like all these gadgets yeah. and stuff that all come it's like a Swiss army yeah, arm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah it's amazing amazing design and the voice just adds so much to it and then you know on the flip side you've got all these supporting characters and i really wanted to touch on how much i love emma thompson in this she's so good she's the captain and she is mad genius and, i love and david hyde so- david hyde pierce is amazing. and david hyde pierce is the doctor yeah and i mean you right off the bat like the second you hear david hyde pierce's voice you're like uh, oh i know not, exactly who yeah. that is that's the guy from frazier <laughs> i mean he has such an iconic voice um, and then you got um, but, martin, God, martin short a little bit later on too and then crazy martin short as ben, ben gunn, gunn and he is man B-E-N. is he cuckoo for cocoa puffs <laughs> Yeah, he's the robot the, B-E-N. Bio-engineer navigator. Bio-electronic navigator. That's what it is. Yes, so his name is Ben, and he is wackadoo. Um, I lo- it's very Martin Short, like, just all over the place being, you let me know when I'm rambling. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like he's all over the place. I love it Is it so just much. you, or did I just, did I have something to do with uh, dancing uh, with a cyborg named Lupe? <laughs> <laughs> did I? Did I ever dance in the moonlight with a robot named Lupe? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> just like weird stuff uh, that is very like, Martin just Short. Just a lot of shouting and just being like kooky yep. and silly. Weird. It's just great. weird. And I love it non- so much. A lot of non sequiturs that don't really go anywhere. Yep. Just perfect. Yep. And honestly, I think besides Brian Murray, my hands down second favorite voice just because of like pure quality and just like creaminess is got to be Roscoe Lee Brown, who is Mr. Mr. Arrow. Arrow. He is. Oh, my God. He's kind of like a Disney staple, isn't he? Isn't he like in a bunch of other Disney movies and stuff? Yes. He does a lot of voice acting. Of course, now I can't remember. Yeah, he did a lot of voice acting. I believe he has passed, I think. Probably, oh yeah. gosh, I hope I hope that I haven't just deceased a person who's not deceased yet, but I'm pretty sure he's passed. But um, his voice is just so creamy and so lovely to listen to. It's so lovely. It's like this big booming voice, and they made this big, big literal rock guy of a character for him, and it just they did such a beautiful job with depicting oh, him. I know it uh, just stellar cast stellar cast. and the mom is laurie metcalf yeah. so it's like a, r- amazing voice actor choices um uh, i i did i i'm required keith made made sure that i would mention this that the actor who plays um squidward is one of the f- robots in the very beginning of the movie. oh is it really 
No <laughs> yes. way. Keith made sure that I mentioned That's this amazing. because he took a very long time to do his research oh, to make sure that he was correct. <laughs> Squidward, what did you get here? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, great. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, I mean, amazing. We're talking amazing stellar voice actors. And a lot of them are, you know, the kind of main crew. Not all of them are known for right. their voice acting, but there's a ton of other people in the background who are very well known for their voice acting and are in video games and other Disney films. And I mean, anything that you could possibly think of, you name it. It's like really stellar. Oh, it's just so good. I just, I could gush about this all day. Yeah, it's great. All day. It's great. It's so good. So uh, good. Well, I I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying really hard, but I think we're there. Do we want to compare these bad boys? Because it is actually quite hard to keep them apart, but there are some pretty big yeah. differences. Um, we've already kind of touched on the kind of fatherly dynamic of Silver and Jim, um, especially with the fact that, you know, the father is ill mm. in the book versus the father abandons him in the film i have a couple that i just uh, can throw off the top yeah. of my head just yeah like, yeah yeah go for it the book. uh the name of the ships are different i noticed uh Ooh, the uh mm-hmm. the ship in the book is the hispaniola yes while that's the right. ship in the movie is the rls legacy which i thought was an interesting yeah choice. not entirely sure why they felt the need to change it no either i don't think it did anything against or for well, i'm just interesting choice I mean, to change the name because the hispaniola i mean that's a staple that's what i was kind of everybody was kinda knows thinking, is like it was yeah. an odd choice maybe to swap it but you know it, whatever it's fine i don't yeah not sure what the choice was behind that but that's a good call out yeah, so captain amelia instead of captain smollett obviously that was a big one too yes big shift was a female which, captain which yes 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 i love it also emma thompson beautiful. oh my god also, keep it coming i forgot how much i loved her character design that was great we'll talk about that <gasps> later though i'm sure or we don't have to oh, uh, <laughs> it's beautiful uh, and it's so like Disney borderline sexy. I'm like, can I love this character to the point of it maybe being a little I mean, uncomfortable? Mommy, I mean, mm-hmm. mommy, I mean, I mean, mommy. I mean, <laughs> the boots, uh, the boots, the boots and the gloves, man. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Yeah. Anyway, um, I digress. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there was another thing. I think Doppler, David Hyde Pierce's character, is kind of supposed to be like a mixture of Trelawney and the Doctor. Yes, he's kind of a hybrid. Yeah. Which I was fine with. I think that I think that worked well with like just cutting down on like having. Yes, to they had to do condense. Obviously, um, speaking mm-hmm. of a lot of condensing. Speaking of condensing, the very beginning of it, Billy Bones essentially dies on his doorstep. Yeah, there's really not much lead in. He he crash lands and then he's like, oh no, they're coming. Death. Yeah, like <laughs> so really in the book that like kind of takes a couple weeks i want to say like billy bones is like, kind of like on edge he sticks around for and, like, quite a bit he's kind of just yeah. hanging around like keeping an eye on stuff for a while and it's like the first like five six chapters yeah. of the but book then, is in the yeah end. but then even like when the first pirate shows up there's still it's only the one guy and then he leaves and then the rest of them come back like exactly. essentially billy bones comes and then the entire pirate cadre shows up and burns down mm-hmm. the inn, essentially. So it, you're kind of just thrown into it. Yes. Yeah, there's definitely, like, it keeps it keeps things moving a lot more in the film, which, again, is common. Pacing-wise, for a movie, totally makes sense. You don't want to, mm-hmm. it's an audience of children. You want to keep it moving yes. so that they're keeping yep. the story going in their head and being interested in it. Yeah, yeah. totally. 
Um, I think the biggest shift for that I yeah. noticed is the ending. Yes. Um, on when when they find the treasure and they find Treasure Planet, like obviously Treasure Island is named after it's an island, Treasure Planet. Guess it. It's Whoa. a planet. So, wait, but what? Is it, but is it a planet? Uh, but is it a planet? Kind of. It- so it's it. Yeah, it's such a cool again. It's a cool you concept. Go back to the design. Yeah. It's so good. So fun fact: it's not. It looks like a planet, but it's actually a. It's like a, like the entire planet is actually like a, like machine, a, a mechanism. It's a machine that was built by some and, ancient civilization, oh right? Because they don't really they, say. They say that there's like hieroglyphics and stuff on the walls, and like it's been there. Okay, for years. so yeah, it's been a while. So like it's probably what I'm thinking is that it's like this like stargate sort of alien civilization almost because there's this whole like like abandoned yeah there's this whole like portal like um like the portal uh, yes like chekhov's portal essentially yes it's amazing so they like the the orb that they find which is the map which again very clever it's very steampunk it's like a a metal orb it's a fun mcguffin sort of like device it it is yeah so the orb is like it projects a map so you can see like a 3d representation of the map and then it ends up being the key to open the door um, which it ends up being a portal that that's how captain flint was jumping around from galaxy to galaxy to steal all his goods was treasure planet supposed to be this like trove of a thousand planets essentially yes like the rich the riches of over a thousand planets of you know civilization decades and decades of him stealing hundreds of years Mm-hmm. because i think ben has been there for about a hundred years at this point i think they say a hundred yeah. yeah so obviously like time frame is different because we're talking aliens so we can kind of get away with that a little bit more but the the craziest part is like basically the the key to get into the portal pops up this little like 3d rendering of the, the like, galaxy a, of galaxy map yeah. and then in the center of it is treasure planet because the center of this machine is where all of the the riches are being stored and it's just genius it's, it's genius so cool. design and then it's all booby trapped so... it turns out to be and then it's booby trapped yeah so i mean it's you know great escape it's crazy it's fun it's it's really really exciting and i you know that that whole transition is so different than the books we already talked yeah. about you know like the books is a lot more like i feel like it's more of like a tete-a-tete essentially between the yes. pirates and uh, yes. the crew and Jim where it's more of them like kind of back and forth like kind of screwing each other over and like taking advantage there's a of lot the more exposition yeah there's a lot yes. more talking involved there's a lot more like mm-hmm. kind of double crossing and stuff that goes into it too yes yes for sure and I again you know we always talk about this I feel but it's it's timing honestly like you can get yep. away with having things very fleshed out very long elaborate in a in a book mm-hmm. whereas in a film you know especially for children you're down to the wire. You, your attention span yeah. <laughs> is much shorter exactly exactly you have to um, but it's like this bang up finish it's so good and it's it's epic cuz they they do like this fun callback like in the very beginning of the movie you see Jim doing his cool little like airboard kind of like parkour parkour thing going on in the beginning which is really cool and that's how he gets pulled over by the Mm -hmm. cops but then you that comes back towards the end where he saves the day doing that exact same thing with a makeshift board he makes out of scraps and i'm like this kid is awesome like it's so cool i just oh i can't get enough of just 
how creative they were with something that is so staple. Oh. Yeah, they took that like really well-known basics kind of I mean not that it's like a it, it is It's not basic, but it's staple. It is a sta- for yeah, sure. the staple story and then just expounded on it in their own way and were able to kind of like tie it up in the like their own specific way too that mm-hmm. made it stand out against the original for sure. Yeah, this is kind of how I feel like about music covers. Yeah. Like I love yeah. covers that will take the core of a song, but then the the way that they go about they it and it's like it it's just stuff. different yeah, enough. Exactly. But you you definitely have no mistaking what it is, but it's but original it's, it's enough its to thing. get a it's yeah, it can it's its own it can thing stand like that out on its own. And that's what you want. Exactly. That's honestly what you want with any like good adaptation is like you want it to resemble yeah. the source material enough but also be like its own thing so that it can like yeah. you know be able to walk on its own legs and like be able to tell the yeah, story. Yeah, cuz they they could have easily just stopped it at okay, we're doing a steampunk the steampunk aesthetic and then they didn't have to yeah they didn't have to tweak it any more than that they could have left it at that and that still would have been pretty spectacular because it's just such a different universe to build but on top of that they they built so many other things around that universe that just made sense especially with the kind of like it's an adventure swashbuckler story coming of age story they they hit all the hallmarks but they they did it in such a yeah. beautiful way. And they were able to condense where they needed to, and like kind of yep. also expound where they yep. needed to too, to like have that emotional weight without the extra like uh, exposition and stuff that like would usually yeah. be necessary for a story like this. I mean, I think that you know the ending obviously it diverges quite a bit, but then you know when you when when you circle back to okay, they found the treasure, the pirates have been you know kind of put back in their place, and they're going back to port. And I think an- another kind of piece that is very similar to the original, but I really again appreciate the way they executed it is how Silver gets away. Mm-hmm. So Silver is able to get out of his binds and is able to sneak out. But at like right before he sneaks off to to run away, mm-hmm. Jim sees him and they have an exchange. But Jim is actually like helping him escape yeah. because he wants him to live too. He doesn't bear the ill will because at this point, like yeah. Silver hasn't like he hasn't done anything but just want the treasure. Like, he, honestly, everyone has survived up to this point. He's, like, threatened people, Mm -hmm. but, like, only as far as, like, trying to... I feel like he makes it pretty apparent that he doesn't want to take anyone's life. He just wants the treasure, and he wants to be guided to that treasure. Like, because he respects the captain. You can tell that. Like... Yeah. And he obviously respects Jim. Like, there's, like, this whole, like, they're connected 100%. So. Yeah, and then you look at the the climactic scene of you know they they find the treasure, they trip the booby trap, and then the everything starts to just blow up. And then there's the scene where Jim is about to fall to his death, and so Silver has to choose between his gold or to save Jim, and he saves yep. Jim. And so like that is kind of the redeeming like arc yep. that created the bond to be kind of stronger with him and Jim again, because Jim feels betrayed, obviously. Mm -hmm. But then that gesture is like, he even comments, he's like, but what about the gold? Like, what about the treasure? And Silver's like, oh, it's a lifelong obsession. I'll get over it. Yeah, that's right. I think I I wrote wrote down that line specifically. (laughs) Will you? 
But yeah, it's so, I mean, he gives up everything to save this boy that he's just met. Silver, you gave up so, just a life passion gym. I'll get over it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, okay. So obviously it meant a lot yeah. to him to save Jim. And I feel like that's that gesture alone is redeeming enough, obviously, for Jim's character because then he helps them escape and, at the end yeah. because of that gesture, I And feel. then he also gives jim like money to help like rebuild his family yeah because the the benbo burnt down so he gives him he he got some money in his pockets and he gave him some money to help rebuild the benbo and then also <laughs> he lets morph go yeah. live with jim so that he's got a bunny yeah. <laughs> so, so cute <laughs> but yeah i mean that whole ending scene too it's it's really sweet and it's like a very tearful like bittersweet goodbye and I, I just I really love the dynamic that they built for yeah. those two. It is a really sweet father and son. But, kind it, of vibe but it's also and... a son reconciling with the father too. Like actually, yeah. actually being able to have that last moment with him because the whole like yeah. Jim, uh, there's a uh, during that uh, scene with um, the the montage where Jim's like kind of reminiscing on his father. He he tr- mm-hmm. he actually tries to chase his father out and like say goodbye to him I know. and isn't able to and he misses yeah. him so it's it's yeah, this that it's, closure exactly there. and he finally he's yeah. able to have that closure with long john silver and like be able to like actually say a goodbye and have a a moment with him which is pretty beautiful in its yeah. own way because it's it, it kind it of is. it puts a nice like period at the end of jim's kind of like fatherhood stru- like struggle with like not having a father and stuff like and knowing that like yeah even though he didn't have a father, he still had father figures and was able to kind of uh, become the man who he is, quote unquote, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think it's also kind of fascinating. You know, there's so many tropes around Disney parents just dying or one being the evil stepmother, right. you know, like there's like all the funny tropes of like Disney must hate parents. <laughs> yeah. Um, with the way that they represent I just, them. I just have but, Mufasa falling over and over in my head right now. I know, <laughs> right? So it's so it's just interesting that this is like one of the few times you see that both parents, as far as you're aware, are still alive, but one actively leaves. Like, I don't think I've ever really seen a representation like that since that film. I'm like trying to think if there's any others where the parents are actually like split. You can maybe um, and not you by can, like death. You can maybe argue Hercules, <laughs> but at the same time, that's he still is able to talk to his father at one point. So it's not like yeah, but his but, but Disney's rendition rendition of Hercules is that Zeus and Hera are like oh, still together. True. Like the mom and dad are still together. They're, They're just, just literally yeah. separated because he's not he's a demigod, not a god. I don't know. So that that's. I, yeah, I'm like trying to think if there's. Disney doesn't really have a lot of the lousy parents, just like the the sad, yeah. the sad parents that this depressing you know, end of parents, parents yeah. where they're just lacking or it's or they're just not like, in the life because they've passed yeah. on. Yeah. So I, I really I appreciated yeah. that this is a very different family dynamic than what they usually show and also like my quick other comparison of like i love disney when they do comparisons like this of like very different family dynamics like lilo and Mm -hmm. stitch where the parents are both deceased and it's the two sisters and like lilo looks like she is probably on the spectrum and like how do you deal with a child who's on the spectrum and you yourself are a child taking care of a child and your parents are dead and it's just like this genius 
way of showing what the different families can look like and how you do or do not deal with your trauma. And this is one of those films where I'm like, this is such an underappreciated Disney film for so many reasons. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) because not only is... yeah, Can you tell I love this? It's perfect. (laughs) It's great that like... It's a good adaptation, but it also has like a, that like deeper meaning. A lot of layers. A lot of layers to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just. I mean, if you haven't figured it out by now, I love. It's this a good thing. one. I was like, it's one that like it. It wasn't like really in my repertoire of Disney films until probably fairly recently. It's a it's a hidden I don't gem. Think I, for I didn't sure. see it in theaters, and I think the first time no. I may have seen it was maybe in my twenties, and I don't think oh, I've wow. seen it maybe. I've seen it maybe like once since then until like just oh my you know, gosh the other day. so like it was yeah I it's it's such a hidden gem and there's yeah. so many out there that I feel have really amazing stories that are not talked about nearly enough like Lilo and Stitch and Atlantis go, and like there's a whole I need to go back and bunch of them because it's been oh I just watched that, that not too long ago I adore that movie again amazing representation of different kinds of family units and different kinds of just like personalities it's not your kind of fit in a box disney dynamic that you usually see i i cannot stress enough how much i love (laughs) when they do that and that's also like why i really loved um big hero six was another really good one where they kind of flipped that on its head also um Inside Out was a really good one because they actually discussed like dealing with your emotions and how to deal with like a little bit of trauma mm-hmm. and like there's they're they're getting better yeah they're getting better with it they definitely but like, yeah. man I am I'm happy that they used uh, Treasure Island as their uh, springboard for showing yeah that like uh, every everyone's got father issues at some point or another right yeah. it's totally a thing yeah yeah and, yeah yeah and a treasure island is such a like staple like we keep saying it a staple yeah. that i'm sure that it would draw a lot of crowds in just because of the notoriety right. and then you get to see it in such a different light on top of it just being a really good feel good movie and right. it's a disney film and there's just so many other things that you can enjoy out of it and still have the yeah. true core of because the you already have the the relationship between jim and silver as being like you know he's already mm-hmm. like that, it's already that built mentor in. thing you just tweak it a little bit to make him that like like father figure at the same time and it yeah and it works mm-hmm. perfectly and you can use that uh, uh yeah it, they did a good job of the tweaking that they did for the movie to like make it its own thing as well as a good adaptation of this that you know the book too so i yeah i get you got to give them props it's it's a great uh, great movie so many great props. movie great um, I, fun book great movie i think it was fun yeah i think honestly I have nothing else to say about it because I'll just keep repeating myself. So do you have any final thoughts? Um, You're definitely giving me a run for my money for change my mind on whether I want the, the adaptation or the book or the source material now. Now, yes. yeah, now that I'm like, now that I've like talked about it, I think I'm more in uh, adaptation. I think, I think I may have had a, uh, a bit of a uh, Freudian slip at the beginning of the podcast here. An epiphany? Yeah, I think maybe I was actually on the adaptation <laughs> side the entire time and not I yeah it's hard it's hard to separate just because like you get to the root of the story and it is both it truly is both it's just I I cannot stress how the representation 
is just so different than anything you see. And we kind of go back to like the Muppet Treasure Island. It is a classic. I adore Mm -hmm. that film so much. And it actually is a really close <laughs> representation yeah, to does, the book. Yeah. It is. And they we did the same thing, like A Christmas Carol. They're really close. It's just kind of goofy and musical because you've got Muppets in it. But it is really close. I think, I think because... But it, this is so different. I think because the book follows that like almost traditional like hero's journey structure that mm-hmm. you can kind of just take it and adapt it using that because like the that like campbellian like uh heroes circle you know the circle of like Mm -hmm. the story circle like you start at like the the beginning where the the reluctant uh hero uh refuses the call refuses the call and then is forced into you know the journey and then comes around circle to the beginning where you know he has to reconcile with you know what he's learned over the entire thing like that that whole thing Mm -hmm. is very much apparent in the book the novel treasure island and then being able to take that like uh formula and then just like tweak it a bit to like serve the purpose that the movie does of like going a little bit deeper into the story and like being able to cut those corners of the story that like everyone kind of knows and you can kind of gloss over just to like really delve into those character moments a little bit more and i think that's where the movie Absolutely. like really shines is like oh, encapsulating yes. the moments between jim and his mother jim and captain silver or um mm-hmm. even i would say even doppler and uh, uh amelia like those two are like a really mm-hmm. they have like fun like cute like repartee and stuff like that and yeah i was just thinking really quick emma going back to emma thompson and she's the captain whoever wrote her dialogue needs a gold star for eternity because her she's so witty and so wordy and it's just amazing but but then when she's uh there's the moment there's the moment where she has to like show jim that she's in charge and she's like you will either call me captain or man is that clear? Is that clear? And then she looks yeah. up and he's, and I he's know. just like, yes, it's, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Good. And then she's back back to business. And you're like, oh, she she yep. means, like, she's funny, but she means business when she's like. In. Yeah, the air about her is so, oh, it's so and good. And it's like. The respect she from everyone around yes. her and everything. It's, God bless. I know. I, she's her her aesthetic and the voice actor they picked and just how they wrote her character and the the, the dialogue i mean everything about her is so sharp and so crisp yep. and i just so good. i love it so, so much <laughs> anyway okay. now yeah. i am done no that was good it was worth it <laughs> oh we'll end on miss emma thompson well uh i think i think we, we did, did it. it i think I think we I, figured this out. I feel out. good about that. What do you think, Kermit? <laughs> I, uh, Kermit? I've been listening this entire time, and I'm, uh, I'm kind of sad that I got called out here and didn't get uh, any mentions of Muppet Treasure Isle in the actual podcast. Oh, no. I'm so sorry, you know Kermit, what? to leave you Kermit, hanging. We appreciate you're, you're you. You're going to be fine, dude. Listen, <laughs> you're so rich, so you don't it, care. That's right. I'm filthy, stinking rich. <laughs> you're filthy rich. I got rich. that Disney moolah. Hey. Yeah, that's right. You want to share some of that? <laughs> no. All right. Fine. Whatever. So why did I pay for his airfare? Gotta go. Hey. Ah! Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> He's oh gone, man. He gosh. can run. He's gone. That puppeteer. He hauled That puppeteer ass. ran so fast out of here. That was crazy. Wow. 
impressive. That guy should be well, getting Well, the fact that he, like, life. had Kermit, like, running on the ground while he was running behind Kermit, too. Wow. That was really cool. Uncomfortable. God, like, That's he was stooping amazing. really low, commitment but to he the was stick. really fast. <laughs> yeah, commitment. commitment. Uh, well, on that lovely note, what, what, uh, before we sign off, what are you doing? What are you reading? Oh, what God. are you experiencing right now? Uh, I'm honestly... Not really reading anything. I am. Uh, That's yeah, okay. I've been watching The Expanse though. That's been pretty great. <gasps> yes, I, I recommended that on my last yeah. episode with Daniel oh. Banyol. I love yeah. The Expanse. I just got into season three. I think. <gasps> That's where Amazon bought it, yeah. so it get purdy. Um, it get real uh, purdy. I. You know what? I will say, anyone who's starting it hasn't started it yet. Give it time. It is a slow burn. It it definitely takes like the first, and I hate I hate this personally when people tell me this. And two seasons, it's like it's like a season and a half, two seasons until it gets good. Yeah, but it's worth it because the character development along the way actually adds up, and I feel like you get a good you get a good crew going, and it's a it's fun. Fun fact: Mm. those are based off of books. That's right, and that's 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 maybe maybe that'll be the next book I recommend when I. back on here at some point i would love to i haven't actually read the books yet so i would love an excuse to read them and rewatch because man man i do love a good space adventure a good hard sci-fi political drama with some with some fun good fun sci-fi uh intrigue and battles and space stuff it's great is solid i cannot stress enough how much i love that show and it's Oh, the political like spheres that they've created and just like there's earthers and Martians and belters who live out in like that actually live yeah. out in space. And Fred called, Johnson. It's just and Fred Johnson. <laughs> yeah, it's just there's so many things. Again, it's really clever. Just yeah. like just creation of this universe. Like, oh, cannot. Yeah, talk it's one about of those where like, I, I, s- I didn't really like some of the characters at first, but then they grow on you a bit. They grow they on really you. Do. Like Holden, if you talk like to Holden, Keith, um, I was, he hates I was Holden. Such, oh god, I hated Holden so much at <laughs> first, and then I Holden. like I was like, okay. By see by season three, I'm like, okay, I'm, I I can I can deal with it. Oh, Keith hates <laughs> him. He's like, oh, he's so predictable and so moody, and I'm like, yes, he's he the he's the hero yeah, protagonist. Of course, he is. He's hitting all those Keith tropes. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. He definitely is. <laughs> he is not wrong. But but I feel like all the other characters Bal- kind of yes. balance it out for Absolutely. me personally, same, same, but. Same. Holden has his moments of like, okay, kid. Take I'm it just down a big a fan of the the Kiwi girl who's like <gasps> the Martian. The Martian. Which I cannot remember her name. Yeah, Bobby. Bobby. She's so good. Yeah, I think she's Kiwi. Is she from? She, yeah, she okay. is Kiwi. Yeah, she is from uh, New Zealand. Um, yes, Bobby is one of my favorite she characters. She is definitely too. wonderful. Definitely becoming top. Absolutely wonderful. Character. And she's like badass and awesome and powerful and doesn't take crap from nope. nobody. I f- <laughs> love her. She is amazing. Great. Yeah. What about you, Aaron? Oh, good Have wreck. Have you been reading anything? Ooh. Or watching anything? You know, I have been re-watching the, uh, the series Hannibal. Ooh, I've never seen that one. <gasps> Ooh, if you like really fun kind of weird representations of mm. things, you should definitely sure check it out. Because it... We actually talked about this a little bit when I had Julie and Mary on for an interview yeah. with a vampire yeah, yeah, yeah. that... Hannibal's three seasons and it's like a hodgepodge of all the different books and they've just kind of like 
compiled all the different oh. stories in a way to make a three series show about it. It's do they fascinating. The books at all, or is it like they do? But it's like they turn it on its head a little okay. bit, and timelines kind of cross in not technically a canon way, but it hits a lot of the important parts of different. Would you books. say that like it's fascinating it's sort of in the same vein as like Interview with a Vampire in the okay. yes, where it's kind of a reimagination, okay. but you're still using the, the core material okay. to get the stories okay. but there's like stories that you know uh well graham is the character in the book but then they've used a story that technically was um clarice, clarice. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. oh my god where it's like Cl- clarice is the person in the book but they've taken will graham and he's the main character through the entire series so it's a clarice story but they put oh, will graham the in there so like there's okay. kind of, yeah so they, they've kept will graham throughout the entire series but they've pulled from all the different books in the universe and just kind of created this little unit. Okay. It's fascinating. I okay. and it's uh for those who do not like gory shows, uh it is very gory. <laughs> it is about a cannibal. So if you don't like body gore and mur- murder the cannibal? um Hannibal the oh. Cannibal, baby. Yeah, it's uh, it is not for the faint of heart. But uh, if you are me and Julie, I was just joking with Julie the other day that this is Julie's comfort oh, show. Oh my god. So that should tell you a lot about I'm Julie. I'm not surprised. Like you, <laughs> I like, know. I got a good giggle over that. Like, I didn't know that, but at the same time, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I mean, are you surprised yet? <laughs> yeah. So, Julie, uh, we love you and your weird, weird ways never Please change. Don't, because it brings joy to my life. Such joy, such joy. I love that your comfort show that you would use the word comfort with Hannibal the Cannibal. That's your comfort. That's God love you. <laughs> that's impressive. That's not a very comfortable thing. Yep. <laughs> yep. I know. That's and so that's uh that's my rec. It's pretty cool. pretty stellar. It's it. beautiful cinematography. Awesome. It's I'll really add good. Add it to the list. Add it to that list of never ending mm-hmm. things. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining yes, me, Mr. Spencer. This is a blast again. Oh, anytime. Always a pleasure. And thank you to our listeners for sticking it out through the ridiculous opener. And you got to meet Kermit, so consider yourself lucky. Or don't. He's kind Uh, of Or don't. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And we will see y'all next time. Uh, Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.